0: Merrill Memo with Matthew Dickerson from Dubbo Regional Council.
1: Welcome to the Merrill Memo podcast. While the normal host Mark Barnes is away over the Christmas break, I've taken the opportunity to interview the councillors individually about their first year with the new council. 23rd of December 2021 was the day that the new council was sworn in and inducted, and the councillor interviews were conducted within a few days either side of the one-year anniversary of that date. The process was straightforward. I invited all of the other nine councillors to be a guest on the Merrill Memo podcast. I then created 10 questions that explored some information about each councillor and about their first year in the role. Feedback was provided by the councillors on those questions and, after some modifications, all guests were then asked those identical questions. Each councillor sat down with me in my makeshift studio at home and I asked them each of the 10 questions, plus a bonus anything else question. I am publishing two of those interviews each week in reverse alphabetical order and the Merrill Memo podcast will then resume as normal when Mark Barnes returns from holidays. I hope you enjoy the insight into the minds of our councillors. This week we have Jess Goff and Vicky Etheridge. Today we've got Councillor Jess Goff with me, and Jess is one of the two Wellington Councillors elected from the Wellington Ward. Of course, at the next election we won't have wards, but at the last election we had wards, and Jess was elected in December 2021. How are you going, Jess?
2: I'm good. Thank you for asking me to come.
1: Uh, my pleasure. So the first question I've got is what motivated you to stand for council elections back in December 2021?
2: Well, um, what motivated me? I guess I saw that Wellington really needed a voice, a a louder voice, (laughs) a more decisive voice. And I mean, it took a lot of convincing um, from the former mayor to get me to run. But I also see myself as a Bit of a, I don't know, inspiration for other young women, especially if they're in business or they're mums to have, and if they want to be involved in the community, to think about local government and running for council.
1: And so interesting. Have you had any commentary around that? Have people said to you, "Oh, wow, that's great that you're involved now." Makes me think differently about what I might do in the community.
2: Um, I've had a lot of. How do you do it? How, how, how do you, how do you fit it all in and and I don't really like being put up on a pedestal and 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 I just really try to um put everything at a level so i mean i'm a i've got many hats that I wear so I've got a business and i've got a child and and now i'm on on the council so you can't do everything and i just really wanna make that clear to people that you don't have to be Wonder Woman, but you can make these small changes to your community and, and make a contribution.
1: How would you describe the most enjoyable aspect of being a counsellor?
2: I really like it when something's finished. I'm the type of person who likes things done yesterday. So when I've enabled to help someone solve their problem, that's a really nice feeling, whether it's as little as getting something mown or getting rubbish removed or, you know, now that now I've asked for a report into lighting in Cameron Park, if, when it's pulled off, that that's the enjoyable part.
1: So that'd be someone that likes jigsaw puzzles.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yes. I love puzzles. <laughs> so uh, um, in, in one of my cafes, we used to have a puzzle there all the time. I, yeah, I love putting things together. <laughs>
1: And the satisfaction of that last piece going in. Yes. So that's interesting because one of the challenges that I found when I first got on council was things took longer than I would have liked them to have taken. And in my outside world or in business, whatever it might have been, I found that I was achieving things quicker than I could on council, but I had to readjust my timeline. So has that been a challenge?
2: Yes, because I want things done yesterday. um, I'm... Like I, I, have a, I have a coffee shop and, you know, I want to make the coffee and get it out quick, now done, where local government runs on local government time. I'm like, why can't we just go do this? <laughs> why do we have to go through procedures? But there is a reason. There is a reason for procedures and there's a re- reason for consultation. So <laughs> it's about adjusting your expectations. <laughs>
1: So what are Council's greatest achievements this year?
2: Well, we've achieved quite a lot, I think. Um, the most exciting thing we did in Wellington for me was the opening of the pedestrian bridge and we had a lot of the community come out. We had Rotary and do a barbecue and we had Andrew G and we all walked across the bridge as a community. Um, finally getting that open was really, really good. Um the terrabella Bridge was opened up officially just a few weeks ago. Um, what else have we achieved? It's been a busy year. Um, floods did get in the way. But I think I think the biggest thing that this council's achieved is unity. You know, we've got a, a bunch of people that are actually all working together and being respectful. And I think the community are seeing that that change.
1: Yeah. And so in terms of things like the pedestrian bridge, for example, in Wellington, was that something that there was a bit of discussion around and people were talking about that and then finally it was open and that was that sort of thing where, as you said before, you could tick it off?
2: Yeah. So it was, it was really good that we know that the soccer season is going to kick off and then those people will be able to just cross the bridge to go over to the main precinct of Wellington to do the shopping or get, or get food or go to the supermarket. And it's, it's just going to create more connectivity with the town.
1: I'm excited about the idea of a park run, which I know has been somewhat planned in Wellington, but hasn't actually started yet. But incorporating the pedestrian bridge into a park run route, I think would be fantastic in Wellington.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't run much, but (laughs) maybe if I get out and walk it.
1: (laughs) And people do that. People do walk, park run every week and they run it and they jog it and they take their dogs or their prams or whatever it might be. So it is a very social event. So I think that'd be great in Wellington.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So how do you think that council could have done better this year?
2: Oh, I would like to see more communication between council and constituents and rate payers. Um, we do find a lot... I think the, the amount of complaints I get as a councillor Uh, I don't know when this is happening. I've I've complained about my road. I've complained about this grass, but I don't know what's going on. No one's told me anything. So I think communication and letting the community know when things are happening or why things aren't happening, I think that could be better addressed.
1: Yeah. And I think part of that, obviously, is sometimes the number of staff we have. It seems to be we've got some staff shortages. So mm, yes, everyone's got staff shortages. <laughs> <That's> right, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> trying to get those people to get back to us. I'm not making excuses here, but no. the, it's interesting to, to hear you say that because people sometimes, even if they don't have the final answer, they just want an update. Yes. And I think that's something that we can continue to focus on with our staff and get yep. to that point where they do understand that, People just want an update. They just want to know where it's at and know that they haven't been forgotten about.
2: People just want an acknowledgement. Yeah. That's hmm. how hard, I feel.
1: So what was your toughest individual decision this year as a counsellor? Oh. Um
2: oh, wow. Deciding what blazer to wear is pretty hard. Um, <laughs> to be honest, the decision about spending fifty thousand to change the airport name. To be honest, um, I look back now and think, mm, should we have? But you know, yes and no. I mean, we're a new set of councillors. That was one that was shoved in front of us and very unsure and I look back now and think maybe probably not (laughs) but I think that was it was one now I still think about (laughs) I know it seems minute but yeah I think that was a tough one for me Um, yeah the the Taco Bell sign (laughs) you know the gentleman saying they'll pull the development if the sign's not there and I'm like well People don't read my signs, they're not going to read your sign. (laughs) Yeah. Do we want development to stop? No, but, you know, there's guidelines that we have to also make decisions by.
1: And it's interesting, you've heard me say throughout the year that when we make decisions, when we sit in a council meeting and put our hands up, you've got to be really confident and really sure about that hand going up because they're our decisions. We can't blame the staff or blame other people. We make the decision, so the airport one or the Taco Bell one, whatever those decisions that have been tough decisions, it's interesting you say, that you look back at that one with yeah. the airport now and go, oh, I didn't quite like yeah. that. It was a tough one. Oh, I'm not sure if I got it right. And the problem is in the moment when we've got all the information in front of us and we're going through the decision-making process, you've got to be really sure of yourself yeah. because you don't want to be questioning what you've done in the future. And sometimes that happens. But it's it's really important, I think, for councillors to really be sure that they've researched it, and they've done enough work, and if they need to defer a decision, which we have done throughout the year, not yep. very many times, but we've done that to make sure you're comfortable and confident and have all the information in front of you, then it's our decision. And we've got to live with that decision. When we go out in the public and talk to people, we've got to be the ones who say, we made that decision. Yeah. No one else, no staff members, no one else, we made that decision. Absolutely. <laughs> So what have been your challenges or frustrations as a counsellor in the last year? <laughs> uh, the,
2: uh, there's, a, there's a few. I, for me, it would be the lack of understanding what counsellors can actually do. Um, we're there to represent the community's thoughts. So between the 10 of us... And we have, I'm sure all 10 of us have people going up to them, expressing their views. And as the 10 of us, we can go together and put those views in in the pile. Um, But what we can't do is go up to staff and go, you didn't mow that properly. You didn't empty that bin. We're not allowed to do that. And so really when we go talk to the community, we don't know everything. And we have to get the advice off the staff because we, we can't say the wrong thing. So the biggest frustration is getting the community to understand what we can and can't do. And because most councillors, we have have more than one hat. This is not, being a councillor is not a full-time job. Um, so if someone's going to pull me up in the supermarket on the whim, I'm going to have to go find that information out. I just don't know. And it's not that I'm Stupid. I just, I want to find out the correct information before giving you an answer.
1: And it is interesting, the Local Government Act 1993, you briefly, you didn't say the actual Act, but you briefly mentioned there that it's not the role of a councillor to go and direct individual staff members. In fact, it's against the Local Government Act to direct individual staff members. So exactly (laughs) as you said, Jess, can't you just go and tell someone to mow at the front of my place, it looks untidy, Well, no, you'd be breaching the Act if you went and rang a staff member and said, get the lawnmower and bring it over here and mow it. Before 1993, there was the ability for the mayor in particular and councillors to direct staff much more directly. But now we've got one staff member we direct and it's the CEO. And we direct that particular person via council resolution. Again, we don't ring up the CEO and say, get someone to come out and mow the bit of lawn out here. So it is interesting and the example that I often give or the comparison is, if someone boards a Qantas flight and they're not happy with their seat, they don't ring up Alan Joyce and say, Alan, the seat I sat in today was a bit uncomfortable and there was a kid behind me kicking the back of the seat. You don't see Alan Joyce or the board of directors of Qantas as taking care of those things. They're talking about big picture and, and yeah. really planning and strategy, which should be our role, but still we do get those individual inquiries as well. So it's a, a real challenge to know how far we can go and what yeah. we can actually achieve.
2: I mean, I... I love being a counselor and I love representing my community yeah, there's some things that come with it that aren't quite nice like getting text messages telling you that things are your fault or it's your burden or and I, I've just always thought if you want something if you want someone to help you be nice about it <laughs> It is I've just but yeah no I, I get those text messages. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What was the most surprising or unexpected aspect you found about council this year? How hard the staff work? I, I mean, I knew council
2: staff work hard anyway. like my mum's worked on on Orange Council for thirty five years and she's always worked hard. but what what amazes me is how they can pull things together and give us the advice we need and pull off an event and I think the one that sticks in my head is, is Skycastle that Ennis installed and 70,000 plus people came and, and for the staff to pull that together and, and you'd, like I took Audrey down there a few times and you'd see all these families running around and engaging with each other and just inflatable structures with music, it was quite fascinating and, and the, the, the staff were like, yep, pulled it off, manned it, yeah, it was fantastic.
1: And the staff, again, as you say, they're in there sometimes not necessarily loving the decisions that councillors make, but they get in there very professionally and do the job and follow out the resolutions of council and do it very professionally. So, again, I think the biggest issue we have with our staff at the moment is not enough of them, we just need more of them at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of an issue. (laughs) How would you describe the public perception of council?
2: Hmm. I think it really depends who you talk to. Um, I, yeah, we, we had a bit of a chat about villages earlier and I, th- I think if you talk to someone in a village, <laughs> oh, council does nothing. They do nothing out here. We're not told anything. Um, but on the other hand, there's other aspects of council that are working really well. Um, I I do think the community likes the fact that we've got 10 councillors that are all working together um, with respect and empathy towards each other. I think that's, that's really come out to the community.
1: And so I suppose part of that part that you talked about earlier about communication with our staff out to the community, it sounds like communication... Overall, getting communication better with councils out to the community, councils to staff, just increasing levels of communication overall sounds like how you're going to give that better perception to the public because sometimes there'll be lots of work that our staff are doing or we're doing for something, but the community might not know about that. Yeah, that's right. So having that increased level of communication, I think, will probably help that perception level and not trying to say that we're trying to trick the public, but again, it'd be nice to know some of the work that's going on behind the scenes from the public's perspective.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do believe this has got to be a very, very transparent council. Um, yeah, and all we want to do is tell the community what's going on.
1: What would you like to see council achieve in 2023?
2: lobby the state government for our 24-hour police (laughs) (laughs) knowing there's a state government state election coming up Um, but like we've spoken about before the communication just the communication to constituents about what's happening and where we're going you know we're going to have to have another budget to look at Um, a lot of people are talking to me about roads that that's going to have to be a factor to bring into that this now next year coming into it
1: and so how, what sort of things do you think we can do if, if communication and roads are two issues? What do you think or how do you think we might be able to achieve that as councillors to try and increase those levels of communication and help fix the roads?
2: <laughs> um, I guess there's, there's 10 councillors. We could all do our part in engaging with, with social media, with their local papers, with the radio, Um even though we are of our own opinion of and not of council, we, we could make ourselves a bit more available. Um, in terms of the roads, I think it's a case of looking at how do we fix something long-term as opposed to quick fixes. That's just what's going through my head. Mm. Staff advice might be different. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: What does the Dubbo region look like in 2050?
2: Oh, well, you'll have us all driving electric cars. <laughs> um, wow. We're definitely going to be bigger. We're going to be way bigger. 2050. That's how many years away?
1: About 27. or 20, 28 at the moment, 27 oh, for next year.
2: I'll be nearly 60. <laughs> Audrey will be mayor. <laughs> um I, I think what we're going to see, we're going to see definitely a lot more renewable energy and a lot more businesses, homes, people using renewable energy.
1: That'll certainly be a big part around Wellington, won't it?
2: Yeah. It's, it's quite um, – it's going to be a very um, interesting 30 years, mm. I think. Um, I personally am excited about all the renewable energies coming into Wellington. I think it's fantastic. And to know that we're the first renewable energy zone –
1: And there was another announcement just this week about pumped hydro just near Wellington. So you'll have wind, you've already got it, you've got solar Solar. now, there'll be batteries, there'll be pumped hydro. Yep. It'll be a real renewable energy hub across the entire state. Yeah. Yes, that is exciting. So are we going to see Dabo growing and Wellington growing far enough that they almost get to the stage where they're joining? Are we looking at that sort of growth in the next 27 years or that might be a bit ambitious?
2: I think that's a bit ambitious. I can't see a lot of those farmers selling their land. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I mean, I personally would like to see the villages with a bit more infrastructure. Yeah. Mm.
0: That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> So that's the end of the formal questions. Any other general comments? Any other things that you'd like to say to talk to the residents of Dubbo?
2: Um, I just want to say thank you for voting me in, especially Wellington, because that's how I got in. But uh, I've had a—I—I I really enjoy being a councillor, despite the frustrations. Um, I do believe every every single one of us, all ten of us, have bring a different aspect to the table, and. Just being respectful of each other and that's how we can get things done and actually do the work. So thank you for listening to us and um, having confidence in us for your community.
1: Yeah, great. Well, thanks for your time, Jess. I look forward to working with you again next year. It's been a good year so far. In the last year, we're basically at the one-year anniversary now since our induction.
2: Oh, <laughs> where's my flowers?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, looking forward to working with you again for all of next year. And it's only a short term of council. We've only got yeah. two years and nine months, so hopefully a big year next year and then the following year, 2024, leading into another election. But thanks for your time and I look forward to w- working with you.
2: You too. Thank you very much.
1: Today, I've got Vicky Etheridge with me. Uh, Vicky served on Warrenshire Council, served two terms on Warrenshire Council, and moved to Dubbo and is the only returning councillor. Vicky stood for election in September 2017 and was elected then to the first group of councillors on Dubbo Regional Council, stood for re election. In the Central Ward in December 2021 and was re elected as the only returning councillor. So, good day. Vicky, how are you going?
3: Yeah, I'm going really well. Thank you, Matthew. Excellent. I'm pleased to be here.
1: Excellent. Fantastic. So, I've got my 10 questions for you plus the bonus question on top. So, the first question is What motivated you to stand for council elections in December 2021? And also, September 2017, it might have been the same motivation for both, might have been different, but I just want to get an insight into your motivation for both elections.
3: Yeah, no, I stood for council in Warren because of um, my need to serve my community, to give something back, Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, And then when I came to Dubbo, um, I thought that with my um, experience in agriculture and business, and my pre-experience in local government, that I had a lot to offer. So I put my hand up and was very pleased to be elected. Mm,
0: Excellent.
1: How would you describe your most enjoyable aspect of being a councillor?
3: Just being involved, involved in the community, um... Being talked to in the, in the, in the street and and helping people with their inquiries and I just really enjoy being a counsellor. I take I I take it as a real privilege, um, and um, I'm hoping to continue to be a good counsellor. I will continue to work hard for my community.
1: And it's pretty exciting too. I know some projects you've been involved with, for example, some beautification along some shops in yep. some particular streets in Dubbo. Yeah, It's really exciting when you've got that concept and you run with an idea and then you see it come to fruition.
3: Yeah, yeah, Yep, I'm ho- hoping to see Victoria Street up and going very soon. We've got uh, Boundary Road done and it looks fantastic. So Victoria Street is the next cab off the ring.
1: Mm, excellent. What are Council's greatest achievements this year? Well, I think being
3: able to pull together as a team and work together. We all seem to be on the same page. We all seem to be there for the right reasons. So I think that's one of the best achievements that we've done. Um, Besides... Um, our developments, our um, our high rise um, units which are going up, which I'm very excited about. Uh, one one of them will be the tallest um, building in Western uh, over the mountains. So we've got a lot going on.
1: And I think that's right. It's interesting when you talk about achievements. Most people think about bricks and mortar. But I think there's a lot to be said for that whole concept of what the community thinks of the group of councillors. So as you say, that pulling together as a team, yep. I think that gives confidence in the community, doesn't it?
3: Yes, it does, Jeb. To be able to pull together as a team, to work together for the same cause, I think it's really important.
1: And then I think what you'll find is other developers, other organisations probably have more confidence in doing things so you might get more high rises or you might get more development yep. when there's confidence in that group of councillors.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think so. I think if if developers can see that, that there is a good cohesive council, um it will bring more development and pe- and and the developers will feel more comfortable dealing with council. <coughs>
1: How do you think that council could have done better this year?
3: I think we could have done better with more transparency. I think people need to be able to ask questions and get their information from council without having to go through gippers and all the rest of it. I think we should be more forthcoming with um, with transparency and, and um, giving the people the information that they need.
1: What was your toughest individual decision this year as a councillor?
3: Well, I think um, the development in McClay Street that was a bit tough, um, but we need the housing, we need the short-term housing. Um, I know it wasn't popular, but it met all the the regulative requirements, so there was no reason for us not to go ahead with that.
1: And they are the tough ones, aren't they? You can see the point of view from those residents. Absolutely. And then you look at the legal side of it, and yep. we need more housing, so yeah. that was a really tough decision, that one. Yeah, it was, yes. You saw valid arguments on both sides, yep. and yep. you have to make a decision. Exactly right. Yeah. What have been your challenges or frustrations as a councillor in the last year?
3: Uh, my greatest frustrations is trying to deal with government and federal and state government um, bodies. You know, the' things that we want want to do and because of um, their reg- their regulatory um, um, needs, It holds us back. That's my greatest frustration.
1: And one of the great frustrations there is that as local government, we very much are local. That's right. We are in touch with the people on a daily basis. That's right. So we feel like we've got a pretty good understanding of what the local community wants. Exactly right. Exactly right.
3: We're not federal. We're not state. We're local. We're hands-on. We're on the ground. And we know what the community wants.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, hopefully some local and uh, some state and federal politicians are listening to this and (laughs) hear us loud and clear. (laughs) What was the most surprising or unexpected aspect you found about council this year?
3: Well, I didn't really find any. I just, you know, as soon as we all got together, we hit the ground running um, and I haven't Found any surprises? To be honest with you, I just think everything's just gone so well.
1: And you probably had a huge advantage, or you did definitely have a huge advantage over the other nine councillors because you'd been on the previous council. So that's right. There probably were a lot of surprises lurking for you because you've yeah, been there for 40
3: they, years. There might have been for them, but there wasn't for me because I knew what to expect. <laughs>
1: How would you describe the public perception of council?
3: Just in conversations in the street with people that pull me up to have a chat, I think the perception's pretty good. I think that they see us as doing a pretty good job. We don't always get everything right, but we certainly do try to get it right. And we listen to the community and we and try to act upon their wishes. So, I think we've done pretty I think the perception is that we're doing a pretty good job really.
1: And I imagine that it'd be hard for you to go to the supermarket without someone pulling you up and talking to you about council items?
3: No, oh, yes, yep. And and having the information ready for them when they ask these questions, it's a bit um it's a bit like, Oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> I haven't gotten the answer for that can I get back to you?
1: Yep. But you soon hear about it when people are Unhappy or happy because you do run into people. One of the great things about being a councillor is you are in the community. Yeah. And I'm sure you'd have people pull you up all the time and talk to you about council items.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and the negative stuff I take on board um, and try to address that when I'm in council. Um, but I think basically we're doing okay. <laughs>
1: What would you like to see Council achieve in 2023?
3: I'd like to see us have in 2023. I'd like to see us looking more for um, government agencies to relocate out here, more, in, more industries and just generally keep pushing, just keep looking for opportunities.
1: And I think the renewable energy zone is pretty exciting. You talk about new industries. Yeah, that'll generate a whole new range of industries, ones that we can't even predict will exist. Exactly. And and that's a huge opportunity there. And government agencies. You know, I, I don't know how many decades we've been banging on about it, but getting those government agencies out of Sydney.
3: Exactly right. They don't
1: need to be in Sydney.
3: They don't need to be there. We've got we've got more than enough room for them here. We've got more than enough office space, um, and we've got more than enough people.
1: Mm. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What does the Dubbo region look like in 2050?
3: Well, my my big dream for Dubbo in 2050 is to be known as the most livable city in the in in the, in rural and and. Um, in rural Australia, in New South Wales, we've got so much to offer. By the time we're finished with 2023 and all the other um, things that we'll be working on and working through, I think we will be the most livable city in in New South Wales.
1: And I think one of the things that I've always seen on council is councils good councils are good at long term strategic planning. Yeah. So even though 2050 seems like a long way away, yep. it's it's technically more than a generation away. That's right. But plans we do now, plans we put in place now can have that long term. Long term effect. Mm.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. What what we do now will lead us into the future. And I'm sure that um, our long term planning will will be working and I think we we will be the most livable city in in, um, in in regional New South Wales.
1: And finally, open mic. Any other general comments? Anything you want to say at all?
3: Yes. Look, I'd just like to say that I take being a councillor as a privilege, a very big privilege, and. My passion and my commitment to my community is second to none. I'm there for them, I lit- and I lit- I listen to listen to them. If we don't listen to them, we 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 need that guidance. We need that guidance from the community. We need to know what they want, and what their passions are for for their community, and and I, I listen very much to the community, very much my decision-making, but to be a councillor is very much a privilege.
1: Well, thank you, Vicky. I think you've done a great job this year and, as you said, part of a great team this year. I think the team has done a fantastic job throughout the year. And 2023, very exciting because, as you know, at the beginning of 2022... There are a lot of induction processes, a lot of training programs, mm, all mm. the new counsellor to go through for you. That would have been already knowledge you had. Yeah. The beginning of 2023, we won't have all those training programs, that induction. Everyone can hit the ground running. Yeah, so hit the
3: ground running, I, exactly right. We can just get straight to
1: work. Yeah, that's right. So I think it's a very exciting year and I'm looking forward to working with you and the rest of the councils throughout I'm, 2023. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you enjoyed gaining further insight into the minds of our councillors related to activities in 2022, with a view to the future as well. We have a diverse group of councillors and we are working very well together as a team. Continue to provide feedback by sending emails to mayor at dubbo.com and please follow or subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Until next week.
0: Mayoral Memo with Matthew Dickerson from Dubbo Regional Council.